Amen. Well, good morning. I want to say a hello and welcome to those of you who are guests with us this morning. Whether you are in person or online, we're so glad you're joining us for the first time, especially if this is your first time ever in a church setting, first time in a long time in a church setting. We've been hoping you make your way here some Sunday morning. What we're all about is connecting, connecting people to God, to each other, so together we can engage our world for good. We get to experience a little bit of all those things here this morning, whether you're in person or online. Uh, before we jump into what we're talking about uh, today, Christmas Eve straight ahead. It is one of the most joyous and fun celebrations we have all year long. It's also literally the most invitable service we have all year long. So if Chatham Community Church is your home, I want to invite you to consider who would God have you to invite to come and celebrate Christmas Eve with us, to enter into the wonders of God's great love on Christmas Eve. I want to invite you to pray and then invite and let's see what God might do together as we head into this uh, great Christmas Eve season. This is uh, week three of our uh, series called Unspeakable Joy. If you're just joining us, uh, what we've been saying is, well, there's a place in Canada, super far north Canada, where uh, it's always, it's so cold and it stays so cold underneath the surface. There's a layer of permafrost that never goes away, which is why no one lives there, because it's miserable. And no matter what's happening on the surface uh, above the ground, uh, whether it's sunny days or gray days or rainy days, the, the, the frost never goes away. It's always frozen just a few inches below the surface. And the scriptures invite us into this thing called permajoy, that there's a layer of joy available to us that we can connect with and we can build our lives on, available to us in Christ Jesus, that will never go away, that we're able to build our lives and connect with this deep sense and power of joy, no matter what's going on. Good days or bad days, hard days or sad days, it's an invitation to trust and believe that there's a joy available to us. We're talking about this in my small group this past Sunday. Is it possible to be mourning and grieving and still have joy? And as we were talking about it, we're like, yeah, you know what? It, but it takes some work. You can be in this place where you can be heartbroken and know that joy is still there for you all at the same time, but it doesn't come easily, right? You don't drift into a place where you know joy and grief at the same time. That takes work. That takes some practice. That takes some deliberate engagement. And so what we're doing here on Sunday mornings is getting in the gym, working on our joy muscles, developing and understanding and growing. What does it mean for us to, to build our lives and to know the joy of the Lord, the gift of grace available to us in Jesus in the midst of every season of our lives? Because listen, some, some Decembers are harder than others, right? And some of you come in this morning and there's heartbreak and there's heartache and there's difficulty in your life. There's an invitation this morning not to ignore the difficulties, but to know there's something greater than the difficulties. My friends, good news to a weary world. Good news to weary world and weary people everywhere. There is joy available to us because of what God has done in Jesus. That's the invitation that we build our lives around, the joy of the Lord. So today as we light that joy candle, we're going to look at a story that bursts with joy. And it's in the lead up to the, uh, the story of the birth of Jesus. And so we're going we're gonna to do a little bit of a backstory here. We're going to look at uh, Mary uh, and Mary's story and the angel of the Lord appearing to Mary. So if you don't know the story, uh, Mary is engaged to be married to a, a man named Joseph. She's probably a teenager. And, uh, and an angel uh, appears out of nowhere and gives her this great but also very kind of difficult and challenging news and inconvenient news. Here's the, uh, the greeting from Luke 1, starting in verse 30. The angel says to Mary, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. 
And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And that last phrase, that Mary sort of phrase there, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's been a place I've been camping out for the last couple of weeks. And if you're looking for a place to sort of anchor some Christmas devotion and prayer on, why don't you read this with me, just this phrase. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. If you're looking for a prayer, this makes for a great breath prayer, actually. So breathe in. I'm a servant of the Lord. Breathe out. Let it be to me according to your word. You want to try that with me? Breathe in. I'm a servant of the Lord. Breathe out. Let it be to me according to your word. One more time. Breathe in. I'm a servant of the Lord. Breathe out. Let it be to me according to your word. Angel appears to Mary. Great news. You're going to be pregnant. Now, this is also through a miracle. And this is great news, but it's also very inconvenient news, right? Because Mary's engaged to be married to Joseph. No one's going to believe the Holy Spirit's the reason why she's married or why she's pregnant, right? Sure, Mary, that's why you're pregnant. The Holy Spirit, that's right. That's right. That always goes over well. So Mary's kind of got this inconvenient but good news. But the angel also tells her some other crazy good news that her, her relative Elizabeth, who has been barren for decades, well past childbearing years, is also crazy pregnant, crazy great news so as mary's got this crazy great news that she can't really share with many people who's going to believe that the baby she has is a miracle maybe someone else who's also experiencing a miracle right here's someone who can share in the crazy great news of god with you so mary does what any sane person would do in her moment she goes and hangs out with elizabeth and that's where we're going to camp out today in uh, luke 1 39 here's the here's the passage that we're going to spend some time in this morning in those days right afterwards mary rose and went with haste to the hill country to a town in judah and she entered the house of zachariah and greeted elizabeth and when elizabeth heard the greeting of mary the baby leaped in her womb and elizabeth was filled with the holy spirit and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Well, if you're somewhat new to us here at Chatham Community Church, you might not know that we just got into this building a year ago Christmas Eve. So it's like we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of being here in this great facility. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a labor of love and a beautiful thing that we got here. But what's happened over the last year is all kinds of people have come and visited us. And a number of people who have come to visit us here in this facility uh, over the last year have what I call COVID move syndrome. The curse of COVID move syndrome. And the curse of COVID move syndrome is what happens when you move during a global pandemic. And then it takes you two years to meet anybody. Right? All kinds of people have moved and have said to me, hey, we've been here for 18 months, two years, and because everyone's sort of been quarantined and, and boxed out or whatever, it's been so hard to meet people to feel like this is home. The scriptures teach us that we are made for relationships. And so it's no surprise that given sort of some of the isolation we experienced during, the, during COVID, that the, all the sort of major indicators of sort of health, right, and, and mental health and well-being have all trended very negatively over the last 24 months. The scriptures teach us we're made for community, for relationships. So when Mary hears about her baby and then hears that Elizabeth, her relative, also has a baby in a similar kind of crazy way, it's only natural that she races down to go connect, to go spend time with Elizabeth, who will actually believe that this thing's happening to her because it's happening to Elizabeth as well. 
See, Scripture not only teaches that we were made for relationships and community, Scripture actually teaches that relationships and joy are tied together. If you do a word study on the word joy in the Bible, 90% of the time it's connected to community, spiritual community, spiritual relationships. The word joy in the New Testament is most often, most often connected to genuine, spiritual, Christ-centered relationships. So here's the deal, my friends. No relationships, no joy. It's not that complicated. For the vast majority of us, if you don't have someone who in your life knows you, gets you, shares life with you, prays for you, that sort of walks with you through the good days and the bad days, that you can be totally honest with, they can be totally honest with you, that will kind of spur one another on toward Jesus. If you don't have those kinds of relationships, it's gonna, joy is going to be rather elusive for the vast majority of us. Real friends, not Facebook friends. Real friends. People who know you and get you. And for, for many of us, listen, as Americans, we don't really have time for this. As Americans, we don't have time for this. Social media is warped. Social media is fine in its little spot. But man, those aren't people that actually know you and love you and spend time with you that, that same way. We're talking about people that you can do life with in a deeper, more meaningful way, more significant way. Friendships are so hard for so many of us. It's so scattered for so many of us. Men, dudes, can we talk about this? We struggle so much so that isolated, lonely American male is like sort of this normal thing in our culture. It's so hard for us to have the time and the gear and the skill set and even the, the interest in cultivating genuine friendships, relationships. But here's what the scriptures teach for the vast majority of us. No close friendships, no spiritual friendships where you share Christ together. No joy. So Mary races off to see Elizabeth, and Elizabeth blesses her rather than curses her. We'll talk more about that here in a little bit, but before we get there, here's my question for you this morning. Do you have any Elizabeths in your life? Do you have any Elizabeths? Like, not literally an Elizabeth. I mean, a person that if God did something totally crazy in your life, they would totally get it. They would share it with you. They would celebrate with you. They'd pray for you. They would encourage you. They'd help you to sort through and figure it out. A kind of person that you could sort of be totally honest with the good things and the bad things. And you could even confess sin to you and to that person. And they would bless you by, by encouraging you to continue to come into the light, not stay in darkness. Do you have the kind of people in your life that could share real journey, spiritual journey, real stuff with if you do, I want to invite you to do this. If you have this kind of person, I want to invite you to give them a gift and thank them. Say, Merry Christmas early. Thank you so much for being my Elizabeth, even if your name's not Elizabeth. I want to invite you to sort of say thank you to the people in your life that are walking this journey with you, that you can share that level of sort of honesty and transparency and realness with. I want to invite you to sort of give them a gift to say thank you. Before you leave here, maybe today they were here in the church, maybe they're far away, just to say thank you for being the kind of person that I can share life with. If you don't have an Elizabeth, and I want to say this is probably a good chunk of us. Here's what, I, here's what no Elizabeth, there's your 2023 New Year's resolution. I'm helping you out here. If you don't have an Elizabeth in your life, I want you to pray and then go Elizabeth shopping. Pray and go Elizabeth shopping. That is, find ways to create space in your life to pursue relationships where you think, hey, there's possibility for this person to sort of share life with, to do, to do life together with, where if God was doing something totally crazy in my life, kind of stir my heart to go and be a missionary in the middle of nowhere, you can say to this person, I think God's doing something in my life. Would you pray with me? Would you help me to kind of sort through this? No Elizabeth, no joy. If you don't have one, there's your New Year's resolution. Pray 
Go Elizabeth shopping and ask and see what God might do. The fool might open up a door for you to have the kind of relationship that might spur you on to the real joy that Jesus invites us into. And then finally, I want to ask this question. Who might need you to be an Elizabeth for them? Who might need you to be an Elizabeth for them? Because here's the reality. The vast majority of Americans have no idea what I'm talking about. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. It sounds like a nice foreign country that you might want to visit, but you wouldn't want to live there. You've never been there before. To have these kinds of relationships with honesty, transparency, vulnerability, prayer, discerning God's will together, all that kind of stuff. vast majority of people don't have any idea what I'm talking about. Some of us don't have any idea what I'm talking about, but some of us we know, right? Some of us have experienced this. Some of you, some of you have experienced this kind, these kinds of relationships and know the joy, know the gift, know the blessing of them. And so those of us who know what this experience can be like, what a gift it can be of grace to do this, I want to invite you, can you be available to be an Elizabeth for someone else? My friends, wouldn't it be fantastic if Chatham Community Church was known as a joy church? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be great if because of the quality of our relationships here together, joy was a thing that was descriptive of what kind of church we were? Oh, my friends, my hope and my prayer for 2023 is that you might know more of the joy of the Lord. And that you might know that in part through cultivating a relationship with someone who will encourage you and spur you on to be a man or woman who knows who the joy of the Lord and what the joy of the Lord looks like in your life. Now, this story is written by Luke. And Luke is going to go on and write the book of Acts as well. And Luke becomes sort of the foremost Bible expert on the Holy Spirit. He writes about the Holy Spirit the most. He is the, he is the source of most of what we know about the Holy Spirit. He loves the Holy Spirit. He's very, very excited about writing the Holy Spirit. So it's no small thing that when Luke, who is the expert on the Holy Spirit, talks about the first person filled with the Holy Spirit in real time, in a moment, in an interaction, it's no small thing that this is his first recording of the Holy Spirit filling a person and then speaking to someone else. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed. The first person in the New Testament described as full of the Holy Spirit in a given moment of interaction is a woman. This is just one of the many affirmations of God's delight in and over women, made in his image, to be a temple of the Holy Spirit through whom God might pour blessing into the world. God made women in his image, beloved, to be a temple of the Holy Spirit through whom he might pour blessing into the world. See, at this point in Jewish history and sort of the Jewish understanding, the Holy Spirit was thought to just dwell in the temple, right? That's where God's presence dwelled. That's where the Holy Spirit dwelled, right there in the temple. Maybe the Holy Spirit fell on the high priest who was, if that was a good guy, maybe the Lord would dwell and fill him with the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit did not fall on normal people. And it certainly did not fall on women. And yet here Luke is, writing the story of the Holy Spirit. First person, filled with the Holy Spirit. In a given moment, right there in interaction, is a woman. Now there's a large, loud stream of critique against Christianity. And that critique, maybe you've heard this critique, is this. All Christianity is, is a patriarchal, oppressive system to keep women down. That's the critique. Now, unfortunately, there's plenty of evidence for that. Lots of evidence. Lots of truth behind how the church is practiced. The church has not always recognized women as temples of the Holy Spirit through whom God could pour his blessing into the world. That's what that's designed for. The church has often, regularly throughout history, sought to oppress and, and, and push back women and keep women down. 
But like most things, it's more complicated than merely saying Christianity is just a tool to oppress women. It's way more complicated than that. Because here's what you see over the last 2,000 years. Last 2,000 years, every single women's rights movement has started in a culture shaped by Christianity. Every women's rights movement, right to vote, me too, every women's rights movement has started in a culture shaped by Christianity. Not in a Buddhist culture, not in an Islam culture, not in a Hindu culture, not in a pagan culture, not in a communist culture, atheist culture. The, the cultures where women's rights movements have started, 100% have all been birthed from cultures shaped by Jesus. And it started 2,000 years ago. Everywhere the church goes and displaces paganism, women's roles, women's rights, women's, women's status were elevated in culture. Everywhere the church goes, the women's lives are improved because under paganism, it was a disaster because in the ancient world, women were property, not people. And the Christians come and say, no, 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 that's not how God made us. That's not the intention. That's not what the scriptures teach. So everywhere the church goes, women's lives get better. My friends, women all over the world, 2,000 years later, are more valued today than they were 2,000 years ago because of Jesus. Women all over the globe, corner to corner, even people that aren't shaped by Christianity, they're more valued today than they were 2,000 years ago, all because of Jesus and the story of Jesus and what's happened as a result of Jesus. And what I want to say too is this, so many voices today uh, directed to women and talking about women, about what makes women valuable and important, worthy, right? So many voices, so many things, so many lies are spoken to women or about women, about what makes them valuable, important, or worthwhile. And today, if you know, as a man or as a woman, that you've absorbed some of those lies, whether that's from like pornography, whether that's from movies, from TV shows, from your family of origin, or even from a religious setting, if you know that you've absorbed some of these mistruths, untruths that are not honoring about what makes women valuable, I want to invite you to erase all that and go look at Jesus. Look at the Jesus story. Watch how Jesus relates to women. Watch how Jesus interacts with women. Watch how Jesus elevates women. Watch how Luke, who tells a lot of stories, especially about women and children, watch how the scriptures elevate the importance, the value, the sacredness of what it means to be a woman. Now, not only is it significant that Elizabeth is the first person in the New Testament described as full of the Holy Spirit right there in that moment, right? Mary, Mary also full of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is going to kind of be birthed by the Holy Spirit. But Elizabeth is sort of the only one, the first one, who in a moment of a conversation filled with the Holy Spirit and says something. So it's important not only that she's filled with the Holy Spirit, it's also important what she says. Let's look at, again, what does Elizabeth say when she's filled with the Holy Spirit? That's where I want us to go next. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed there would be fulfillment of what has been spoken to her from the Lord. How many of you are dads out there? Any dads? Dads out there with me? Dads? Yes? Okay, so dads. I love being a dad. I had a great dad. I wanted to be a great dad. And I have a very informal study of what makes for a great dad. You ready? Here's my informal study of what makes for a great dad. There's two key elements that don't summarize all that it means to be a great dad, but they're essential to being a great dad. You ready? Element number one is dad jokes. Amen? Dad jokes. Yes. Dad jokes are essential to being a great dad. I heard a great one last week. You ready for this one? 
I recently watched a documentary about pickles. It was utterly jarring. Ah, see, dad jokes, see, you love those. Dad jokes, so essential for being a great dad. The second thing about being a great dad, to be a great dad, this isn't all it is, but this is sort of essential to being a great dad, is what if great dads often come up with a pithy saying or phrase that is either wise or they think it's funny or cute or somewhat helpful that they repeat over and over and over again to their very grateful children, right, child? Yeah, she's, she's shaking her head, but she means inside she's, she's yes, dad, yes, dad, yes, dad. Dads, dads tend to sort of land on phrases, words they come back to over and over and over again. Sometimes they're funny and cute, sometimes they're serious. So one of my dad's favorites was keep your options open, right? That was one of my dad's little teachable things. Keep your options open. So, you know, I was thinking about like, I wasn't sure I was going to play high school sports. My dad was like, well, go ahead and get the physical so you can keep your options open to play sports in the future, right? Keep your options open is a thing that my dad still says to me on the regular. When Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit... What does she repeat? There's a word on repeat three times. Blessed, blessed, blessed. When the Holy Spirit fills us up, what pours out is blessing. When the Holy Spirit fills us up, what pours out is blessing. And I want to suggest to you in a very careful way that this shouldn't be surprising. Because dad is a little bit like a, uh, because God is a little bit like a dad who has a favorite word he loves to repeat over and over and over again. And that word is blessed. That word is blessing. I want to go back really briefly to page one of the Bible. The account of God creating men and women in his image. Here's the first thing that God says to men and women in history. Here's what he says. In Genesis 1, first page of the Bible. God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. First word spoken to any human being. Blessing. Very first word. The Holy Spirit speaks to human beings after Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Blessing. Blessed is God's favorite word to use. And blessing is what he's eager to do. Some of you grew up in homes where no one was eager to bless anyone. No one was eager to bless anyone. The words you heard, the way you relate to each other, it was all just sort of uh, dismissive and uh, corrosive and cruel and mean. And some of you grew up in homes where that just wasn't, that's how words were used. Some of you grew up in religious contexts where you were told what God wants to do is condemn people, not bless people. But my friends, from page one of the Bible all the way through, what we see that God is most eager to do to you, over you, in you, and through you is speak blessing. Bless is the primary verb that God is eager to do. We did a, a series this past spring on the Holy Spirit. It was so much fun. We had a great, great response, great reaction. In fact, we enjoyed it so much. We're going to do Holy Spirit Part 2 in January. We're talking about living supernaturally for 2023. Wouldn't that be a great thing to describe 2023 for you, to live supernaturally, to live more rooted in the Holy Spirit and the power of the Lord? So some of the questions that, that came up over the course of that series was, well, many of us who are Christians, we know we should have the Holy Spirit, or we know the Holy Spirit's out there, but how do we know? Like, how do we know if we have the Holy Spirit, and what's the Holy Spirit doing, and how do we participate? How do we, how do we like, participate in the Spirit? How do we know if that's actually the Spirit, or if that's just, like, the broccoli I had for dinner last night? Like, how do you know? So Jesus teaches a couple things. One, that God is eager to give the Holy Spirit if we ask. And two, the Holy Spirit's eager to bless others. So one possible path forward that I want to invite you into is this. I want you to ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit and look for who God's given you to bless. Ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit 
and then say, okay, God, who have you given me to bless? Because if, God's at, if the Spirit's at work in you, blessing is going to flow through you to someone in some way, shape, or form. And there's any number of blessing love languages, right? Blessing love languages, acts of service. Some of you are great at that. Gift giving. Just being present to someone who's going through a crisis or a hard time. Blessing can flow through words of affirmation and celebration, but blessing can also flow through words of correction or challenge because we all have blind spots, and a blind spot is a blind spot because you can't see it. You don't know it's there. You need someone to speak into it or call you out and call you into the light. Blessing can flow through people that you don't know, books, podcasts, maybe through your small group, maybe even through dear old dad. The centerpiece of what the Holy Spirit's blessing through us looks like Paul will talk about later in Galatians. He'll talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are character traits. If you show up any situation as a person of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, you are a blessing to that person, to that situation. You're a gift to that place. That's what it means to be a man or woman full of the Holy Spirit, that you show up as a blessing, ready to bless. I want to invite you. Ask for a fresh filling of the Spirit, and then look for who God has given you to bless. And one way that that blessing might flow through you is inviting someone to come and share in whole, and, uh, Christmas Eve with us. I want to invite you to pray and ask, God, would you give me the Holy Spirit and then give me eyes to see who you would have me to invite to be a part of your work coming in their lives. When the Holy Spirit falls on Elizabeth, blessing flows out of Elizabeth. Joyous celebration of Mary. Notice that it's jealousy-free celebration of Mary, who's going to have a baby more important than hers. That's a beautiful thing. But that's not the only thing that comes out of her. She also declares this other beautiful phrase that I want to highlight. Elizabeth says this, Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? We talked about this back in November. What was the early mantra and rally cry of the church? Y'all remember? What was the early rally cry of the church? Jesus is Lord. Right? Jesus is Lord. That's what the early church declared over and over and over again. And, the, and, and all across the Roman Empire, they declared Caesar is Lord. It was on the coins. It was on the flags. It was on the, 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 like the, 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 the court system. Like Caesar is Lord was on every heart of every good Roman. And the early Christians said, we know it looks like it. It looks like Caesar is Lord. He's the biggest, baddest man on the planet. But there's one that God has raised from the dead who is Lord over the whole planet. His name is Jesus. He's the resurrected king. He's the actual Lord. This was the rally cry of the early church. It was deeply political. It was deeply countercultural. It was deeply aggressive, but subtle all at the same time. So one more first for us today. Who was the first one to declare that Jesus is Lord? Elizabeth. The first person filled with the Holy Spirit who not only speaks blessing to her friend, but also declares this larger reality that Jesus is Lord. Elizabeth shows us what it looks like to be full of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit fills us, one, blessing comes out of us, and two, Jesus is Lord is declared and demonstrated in some way, shape, or form. When the Holy Spirit falls on us, when God's Spirit falls on us, Blessing flows through us, out of us, and then Jesus as Lord is declared and lived out, demonstrated in some way, shape, or form that you're going to live life in a way that sort of is conforming to who Jesus is and what it means that Jesus is Lord and King over the whole cosmos. My friends, I love the story. It's full of so much joy, so much delight, the beauty of friendship, the beauty of the Spirit's work in someone and what happens when the Spirit is at work in us, the beauty of 
Elizabeth demonstrating what does it look like for, for her to be full of the Holy Spirit. Well, she speaks words of blessing. She declares Jesus is Lord. That's pretty much going to be the mantra. That's pretty much the pattern for every Christian since Elizabeth for the last 2,000 years, that we declare that Jesus is Lord, and then we live that out in blessing people in real, concrete, tangible ways. And so we celebrate that Elizabeth, this woman, has been full of the Holy Spirit. And in just a minute, we're going to actually celebrate in a new way here at Chatham Community Church the way the Spirit's been at work and a woman here in our own midst. But before we get there, a couple of wildly important take-homes for you to take home and pray and consider as we close out the message here and make this transition. First off, first off, joy to the world. Question is this, who are your Elizabeths? Will you go find an Elizabeth? Will you be an Elizabeth? Who are your Elizabeths? Go find an Elizabeth. Will you be an Elizabeth? There's no joy apart from having real relationships, real community. This is how these things are so tied together in the scriptures. So I want to invite you to celebrate and thank your Elizabeth, to go pray and find an Elizabeth or to be an Elizabeth and available for someone else. Secondly, Jesus is good news for women and therefore men all over the world. Jesus is good news for women and therefore men all over the world. Listen, my friends, there's no joy to the world as long as there's strife between gender, sexes, ideologies, right? So Jesus has come. Jesus has come to bring shalom, healing, wholeness, affirmation. As long as people are being exploited, there's no joy. And so Jesus comes. And he elevates women. And that's good news for women and for men. And if you know that in your head and in your heart, you've got sort of a toxic, unhealthy picture of what it means to be a woman or what makes women valuable, I want to invite you to go to the feet of Jesus. Bring all that and ask him to reset you in some better, healthier, holier ways. Finally, when the Holy Spirit falls on us, great stuff comes out of us. Blessing of others. And Jesus as Lord is declared and demonstrated. So I want to invite you to pray and ask for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And then ask the question, who has God given you to bless? Who has God given you to bless? Friends, family members, schoolmates, classmates, people in your neighborhood, next door neighbors. Who has God given you to bless? And then what does it look like for you to live as if Jesus was Lord? And if you missed the counterculture series for the common good, that was back in November. I want to invite you to go back. We had a great time talking about what does it mean to live as if Jesus was Lord in practical, concrete ways. In the story of Mary and Elizabeth... There's this joyous celebration of what God's doing. The Holy Spirit falls, and the Holy Spirit works through this woman in a beautiful, wonderful way. And last spring, when we did this series on the Holy Spirit, our elder team started asking the question, this is so good. We want to know, how can we partner more intentionally with the Spirit? How can we, how can we partner more, more intentionally, more deliberately with the Holy Spirit? In, New, in the New Testament, one of the ways the early church partnered with the Holy Spirit was through laying on of hands. Laying on of hands was the church saying, the Spirit's at work in someone. The Spirit's at work in this person, and we want to say yes and amen. Now, in some ways, the church is always lagging behind with the Spirit's at work, right? The Spirit's already at work, and we're like, yeah, we're on board with this. But at the same time, Jesus says the church has this crazy thing called spiritual authority. At one point, Jesus says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Spiritual authority. It's not a category most of us live with or have, and all of us are amateurs in stewarding it, but there is a real, genuine spiritual authority that when the church says we want yes and amen and we want to loose more of the Holy Spirit into a place or a person, the Lord is good to hear it and say, I hear that request and to grant it. And so we ask the question, how might we be more active in loosening the Holy Spirit's work in our midst in whatever way it might shape, shape and form? So today, many different traditions have this thing called ordination. Ordination is nowhere in the Bible. The word ordination, nowhere in the Bible. Ordaining, nowhere in the Bible. We all come from different traditions, that, from, from different backgrounds of what ordination means. Ordination, nowhere in the Bible. Every denomination just makes it up. It's a beautiful practice, but it's still an invented practice. So we'll 
what we're, what we're doing here at Chatham Community Church is we're going to lay on hands and we're calling it ordination. And by ordination, all we mean is, yes, the Holy Spirit's at work in this person. And yes, we want to be a part of it. And yes, we want more. Yes, the Spirit's at work. And yes, we want to fan that into flames with whatever spiritual authority God gives us. When we do ordination around here today and in the months to come, it may or may not come with new titles and new responsibilities. It's just us saying yes and amen to God's yes at work through that person. So we're going to kick off this new season of eagerly looking, where's the Holy Spirit at work? And we want to invite you to be a part of it. If you feel like God's nudging you to be a missionary, we would love to talk to you about, hey, would, would, you, would you like for us to send you out to be a part of that discernment process, to lay on hands and send you out as a church to ordain you into that work and that ministry? If you feel like God's stirring in you to start maybe a new nonprofit, we would love to talk with you, go through our, our ordination process and lay on hands and say, yes and amen, the Spirit's doing something here. In our church, we want to pour out the Holy Spirit more on this person. God, would you pour out more of your Holy Spirit on this person? We're open to any number of ways. The Spirit might be at work in you or in someone you know. And for us to sort of get behind in an ordination process that we've, that we've kind of scaffolded up to pray and bless the Spirit's work in you. At one point in, uh, in the scriptures, Paul says to Timothy, the Holy Spirit is at work in you. The gifts you have are through the laying on of his hands. So this isn't a magic trick, but nor is it just an empty ritual. There's a genuine spiritual thing happening. And here's, what, here's, here's the reality, folks. When you invite the Holy Spirit to come and do something, you stand back and just see what happens. Because we don't control the Holy Spirit. We just get on board with the Holy Spirit. We don't manufacture the Holy Spirit. We just ask that Jesus pours out more of the Holy Spirit. And then we say, all right, Holy Spirit, do whatever you're going to do. And we're going to say yes and amen to whatever that might look like. Today, we are delighted to ordain a person in our midst who's done tremendous work to lead our church from the very beginning, uh, Michelle Stiff. Michelle has demonstrated the work of the Spirit in her and through her from day one at Chatham Community Church. She was a part of the launch team, day one. She took on the worship leading day one at Chatham Community Church. And for 15 years, she has been our worship leader, director. If you have ever been touched by anything that's happened in any service here at Chatham Community Church, Michelle was the architect of that service or the boss of the person who architected that service. 15 years later, she's done fantastic work. She supervises all our musicians, all our tech teams. She creates a culture of humble excellence, pointing people to Jesus over and over and over again. Michelle took over the North Chatham construction project in summer of 2019, and she, she, she ran the whole construction project from summer 2019 to Christmas Eve 2021 and got us in here. She represented us so well to banks and to building companies and to all the people out there. She represented us and the Lord so faithfully and well to all those folks. She serves on the executive team, myself, Jaime, Michelle. We meet three hours every Monday morning. It's a meeting you would not want to be in. Three hours every Monday morning. We're hacking through. What do we do about COVID? How do we respond? What's our next step? What is God calling us to do? How do we connect more people to God and to each other all across Chatham County? She's on that executive team spending hours and hours and hours behind the scenes doing what we can to try to, to build a church that reflects Jesus' priorities, that Jesus' kingdom might come, his will might be done on earth as it is in heaven. Michelle's faithful labor in the Lord has borne disproportional fruit in our church and across the community over the last 15 years. And so as the elders were asking, how might we get on board with laying on of hands and ordaining people? Again, our definition of ordination, spirits that work on someone, we want to be behind it. How might we get more on board with the Holy Spirit's work? It was such an easy first pick to say we wanted to have Michelle come and do this. So today we're ordaining Michelle, and we actually are changing her title. Currently, she's Director of Worship and Creative Arts. We're going to actually change her title to Minister of 
of worship and creative arts. Minister is actually not a title that anyone has here, so it's a nice wide open space. We can call it whatever we want. We can name it whatever we want. Minister is a, is a new title in our, in our church community, and minister just means servant. Literally is what the word means. Michelle's been a servant of Jesus. She's brought all kinds of spiritual wisdom and authority to all kinds of challenges that we faced. And so we're ordaining Michelle as the minister of worship and creative arts, simply acknowledging the Holy Spirit's already working here. Yes and amen, we want more of that. So I'm gonna call Michelle up front and our elders as well. I think we've got an elder and any other ordained person that would like to come up front, we would, uh, we're gonna invite you, we're gonna uh, have a, a time of prayer over and for Michelle. And Michelle's husband, Mark, is also up here with us looking very Christmassy in the uh, Christmas red. Michelle. Uh, a few of our elders are down in Pittsburgh with the Christmas choir cantata and other things. So we are glad to have these guys up here with us. So I'm going to give Michelle a charge. And uh, she's seen this charge, so she's I'm not springing anything on her. She doesn't know about. Uh, and Except for the last part, I, did, I just talked about how great you were, which she loves, I know. Um, and uh, I'm going to give her a charge. She's going to say, by the help of God, I will. And then I'm going to invite the church to stand. And all I'm asking y'all to do is say, yes, we see the Spirit's been working her, and we'll pray for her. We're behind what God's doing in Michelle's life. That's all we're asking you to do. And then, uh, and then uh, we'll pray over Michelle. Like, you'll have a seat. We'll pray over Michelle, and, uh, and then we'll present her as, a, as an ordained person at Chatham Community Church. So, Michelle, you ready? All right. Michelle, we trust and are fully, that you are fully determined by the grace of God to give yourself wholly to his service, that you may draw his people into the new life which God prepared for those who love him. And now, and now in order that we might know your purpose in mind, we invite you to make these following declarations. Will you commit to knowing and exalting Jesus Christ, to furthering the understanding of Christ our Savior, sanctifier, healer, and coming king? Will you? By the help of God, I will. Will you accept the Holy Scriptures as revealing all things necessary for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ? By the help of God, I will. Will you be diligent in prayer, in reading Scriptures, in all spiritual disciplines that will deepen you in faith and fit you to bear witness to the truth of the gospel? By the help of God, I will. Do you believe the doctrine of the Christian faith as affirmed in the Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed? I believe it and will so do. Will you strive to make the love of Christ known through word and example and have a particular care for those in need? By the help of God, I will. Will you be a faithful servant in the household of God after the example of Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve? By the help of God, I will. Will you endeavor to fashion your own life and that of your household according to the way of Christ, that you may be a pattern and example to all Christ's people? By the help of God, I will. Will you work with your fellow servants in the gospel for the sake of the kingdom of God? By the help of God, I will. Will you accept the discipline of this church and give due respect to those in authority? By the help of God, I will. Will you then, in the strength of the Holy Spirit, continually stir up the gift that God has given you and grow in holiness and grace? By the help of God, I will. Amen. Would you all please stand? My friends, you've heard the charge that Michelle has taken. It is not to be taken lightly, and it's a big charge. She said yes to a number of very challenging and big things. And so we're inviting you to join us in blessing her and praying for her. Will you now join in affirming the work of the Spirit in Michelle's life and her commitment to serving the Lord? Will you continually pray for her? Will you uphold and encourage her in her ministry? Thank you. Have a seat.
In the name of our Lord Jesus, we bid you to remember the greatness of the trust that Christ has given to you, the responsibility to steward the ministry of Christ himself who gave his life for our sake and took on the form of a servant. Remember always with thanksgiving the people God has given you to shepherd, that they are each made in God's image. May you also grow knowing in the love of Christ for you, and may that love flow through you to bless many others. And now we want to pray earnestly for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let's gather and pray. Pray with us, please. Lord Jesus, we lay hands upon Michelle, asking you, Lord, first off, thanking you for filling her with the Holy Spirit and seeing the ministry that's grown over the last 15 years and even before that with her and through her. Lord Jesus, we ask that you continue to grow that and use her as an example of how your um, Holy Spirit can be in someone and how then through Michelle she has taken this and put upon other people through uh, worship, through the creative arts, through her project management and getting things done. But Lord Jesus, just continue to bless her, protect her, Lord, in her ministry. And thank you, Lord, for all the awesome things that she's done, and most especially the awesome things that you've done in her life. Father, thank you for, uh, for Michelle and the blessing she's been to our community, uh, for uh, just in my life personally, uh, ever since I've been with this church or my small group and, and seeing uh, your work in her um, and what it's meant to me and my family, uh, and, but especially to this church, uh, through this building, uh, in the ways that it's going to continue to, to reach people, uh, unreached people for many years to come. Uh, we just ask that you would continue to do the amazing work you've been doing through her uh, for all her days. Good Father, we say yes and amen to the work of the Holy Spirit already happening through Michelle Stitt. We give you thanks for the fruitfulness that her life has already born, that has already blessed so many here in our community. And now, good Father, with whatever authority and power you've invested in Chatham Community Church, we ask that you would loose more of the Holy Spirit into Michelle's life. We ask for more power, more grace, more humility, more love, more wisdom, more holy creativity, more energy, more grace, more peace. Good Father, would you pour out a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit into your daughter, Michelle Stiff? Would she walk in that power of the Spirit? Would she be an instrument and agent of that Spirit? And would that spirit continue to bless all of us here at Chatham Community Church and beyond? Father, we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ himself. Amen, amen, amen. We then, as elders of the Chatham Community Church, solemnly ordain you in the work of Christian ministry. Congratulations, blessings, and thank you for your service.
sin in your life.